Welcome to the Pointing It Out podcast. I am Megan Holmes here at the Needlepoint Clubhouse in St. Louis, Missouri. And I am Melissa McLeod at the Wool and the Floss in Gross Point, Michigan. We have been Needlepoint besties for a number of years now, and we love talking about all things Needlepoint. It's true. And whether we're talking about our friends in the industry or chatting about tips and tricks that we've learned over the years, we are just here to keep you company while you stitch. For the visual version of this podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel at YouTube at Pointing It Out Podcast. Good afternoon, Kate. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. I'm so pleased that you could do this with me this week. Um, but I'll take a second in case someone's just finding us for the first time. Um, I am Melissa McLeod, and I own a full-service needlepoint shop uh, just outside of Detroit in Gross Point, Michigan, and along with my partner in crime, Megan Holmes, at the Needlepoint Clubhouse in Kirkwood, Missouri, just outside of St. Louis. Together, we're the Pointing It Out podcast team, and we love to bring all the stitchers out there or aspiring stitchers, perhaps, um, information and uh, introductions to some fabulous people in the needlepoint world. So um, I'm really excited to have Kate Woodward with me here today. Um, she is a fairly uh, new and fresh-faced designer. Um, and, you know, we'll just we'll just throw it out there. She is a designer for Megan's wholesale line. So yes, this is a little bit self-serving, shall we say, but it'll still be fabulous and fascinating. And um, I've had the pleasure of meeting you just one time at the the last market. I think the last market. Yes. Yes, I was shadowing and it was lovely meeting everybody there in person. I knew a couple of people, but um, it was great to meet, meet even more. So. Well, good. Well, and we would love to meet you in terms of learning all sorts about you, all we can about you. So um, I love to start with kind of like where you've come from and then we'll head into where we are and where we're going. So um, give us a little like elevator speech on uh, pers your personal life, your family, where you grew up. Uh, where you are now, education, other careers, all that good stuff. So all the things. <laughs> um, I'm originally from St. Louis. So ah. that has always been sort of home. We moved all around growing up. Um, but I am originally born there and then moved there back there when I was in high school. Um, I now live in Middleburg, Virginia, which okay, is we gotta ask one question, though. Yeah, of course. I'm not from St. Louis, but I hear when you're from St. Louis, everyone has to say, where did you go to high school? So I'm going to I'm going to throw that out there because everyone from St. Louis is going to wonder that. Yes, I went to Lindbergh High School. OK, so doesn't um, mean anything to me, but I know yes. someone was going to be dying to know that. <laughs> I, I have lived all over the place. And even when I was in the middle of New York City, you'd say you're from St. Louis and people would ask you that. Oh, my gosh, me too. Where'd you go to high school? So and then did you know so and so or. And I don't really think that's like a question that people from other cities ask. I don't know why it's a St. Louis question, but I have learned my daughter went to college in St. Louis. Uh, we have this cottage at the tip of the thumb that um, you may have heard me talk about that the original um, in, in the 1880s, the original developers, if we dare call them that, settlers might be a better word, um, of the area were Detroit businessmen and St. Louis businessmen. So there's all these people from St. Louis up there too. So this is why I have like this kind of, kind of, sort of, I know what goes on in St. Louis. Not really. So anyway, so back to post high school from uh, 
your perspective? Yeah, so post high school, um, we moved all around growing up, moved back um, for high school, and then I went to University of Missouri for college. I am third generation, very proud. My grandpa could not be more proud. So that's always fun. I love it. Um, Yes, so does he. Um, So yeah, after that, I got a fantastic internship my senior year of high school or college, I should say, and um, wound up in New York City working for Oscar de la Renta. And I fell in love with New York and decided I was going to move back there after graduation. And I worked my little tail off and I did. Um, And I was there for four years. And then I got a job elsewhere, which was near the DC area. Um, And it also happened that I was dating my now husband at the time. Um, So that was kind of a draw to the area. Um, So I moved, made the transition to the DC area. And then COVID happened. And our apartment was too small for two people working from home in a one bedroom apartment. And so we bought a house and moved out to Middleburg, Virginia, which is nice, beautiful. And it's about as close to the English countryside as you can get without moving to England. So that, um, yes, I'm quite the Anglophile. Um, so that is very fun to live in an area like that. Love it. Love it. Um, and so do you guys have any dogs? I have to ask that. We don't. Um, <laughs> Only we don't. I would ask that question. No, I, know. <laughs> I had the, my love of my life dog um, passed away actually just a couple of years ago. My dog from growing up and I'm not ready for another one yet. Oh. It was so. I was Tom just picturing, better, I was picturing your English countryside with a dog. Oh, yeah. through and- eventually, probably. Um, there are other dogs that mount through. We do have uh, the fox hunt goes through and the all the foxhounds about once a year make their way into our yard. Um, so that's fun to watch. But uh, I know nothing. I don't know anything about horses other than I like looking at other people's horses in their yards. So that's I'm, nice. I'm kind of <laughs> with you on that. Oh, well, fun. And so you are... I'm assuming you do something else besides dabble in needlepoint design. Is that true? Yes, that is true. I have a day job. I work for an apparel company and I do, um, I'm what's called a merchandise planner. So I do inventory management for our e-commerce and our own website or our own stores. So they call it direct to consumer. Um, so I kind of sit there and figure out sales goals and how much inventory we need to meet those and all of that fun stuff that is nothing creative. So this kind of, checks that box for me. I consider myself a very creative person. And so this allows me to exercise that kind of side of my brain. That's amazing. And I, having had a business degree, totally get all that and understand all that and know that I should be doing a lot of what you you do day in and day out. I just throw a dart at the dartboard and... <laughs> It's not good. So at some point I should probably hire you to come and do a little consulting work for me and <laughs> slap me upside the head and say, stop, just well, guess. This is what you want to do. I'd be happy to. I can set you up with all the Excel spreadsheets you need to just kind of do that for you. So that's kind of making my heart sing right now. You know, that. <laughs> I mean, I started out as a finance person. So Excel does like just make me smile, um, which I know doesn't really make most people smile. But yes. I I live in Excel and when I'm not doing Excel, I'm doing, you know, little grid patterns. So, you know, there's got to be some sort of correlation there, I guess. I don't know. I love it. I love it. So uh, 
I'm assuming maybe COVID brought you to, led you into the design phase because maybe you started stitching then? Tell us about that. Um, no, actually. Well, to some extent on the design phase because I just couldn't get to a needlepoint store and I had extra canvas, which I have heard that quite a few times on the podcast from some yes. other people. Um, I actually joke that I started stitching kind of in utero. Um, my mom is a, an avid stitcher, a beautiful stitcher. She actually used to work when I was really, really little, so probably about two, um, for a shop in St. Louis that's no longer there called Needlepoint, et cetera. Yes. And she did stocking finishing for them and worked kind of on Saturdays. So she dragged me in and I still, my core memories are that Needlepoint store. I still remember the way it smelled. I remember they used to let me play with the pens that were specifically for the canvas um, but one of their specialties was actually that they did a lot of custom work in-house. So I kind of didn't realize that just coming up with a canvas and putting it on, you know, canvas yourself was not a thing. I, I got that, but I didn't at the same time because I had just, those were my earliest memories were the shop owner sitting down and charting something out and talking with the customer about exactly what they wanted and where. They sold a lot of their own designs in that store. Um, my sister's Christmas stocking is one of them. And so it just was something that I grew up around. I have been stitching, not all the way through, but been stitching literally since two. My husband one time went, no one handed you a needle at two. And I was like, oh, yes, they did. It was a tapestry <laughs> needle. It was not a chenille needle. Yeah. It was a needle. Exactly. It was. Um, my mom was working on a, a nativity scene for my grandmother and she handed me the donkey. I guess I was being, you know, a little antsy one day and handed me some, you know, threaded it up for me and went here. <laughs> the original stitches that were like all over the place were in that thing until I was in college. And then my mom finally had the heart to be like, OK, I'm taking them out now. It's, you know, I'll take them out. But um, I started with some of those big, the, the kits that are on like the 10 mesh. Um, actually, I wish I was in St. Louis because my mom has a book that I made for her in first grade. That's my mom and my mom likes this. And my favorite thing to do with my mom is, and it says needlepoint and it's like one of the canvases I had done. So I've really you know, been doing like that. Probably 12 women at, at minimum have just started crying right now. <laughs> I had, I, my mom gets choked up every time. Um, I think my husband actually didn't believe me until he saw that one time. And my mom's like, oh, no, I have proof. Look at this. And he's like, oh, you really have been doing this your whole life. I'm like, yeah, I have. Um, like every um, stitcher's dream is that their daughter like loves to stitch and that they would talk about them like that. I love it. Well, my mom got one of us to stitch. <laughs> the other one just likes getting the stitching. So she's happy just getting the ornaments for Christmas, but she doesn't want to do them herself. And mom and I geek out over it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that's always been a part of my life. I didn't stitch for a while. Part of it was because we moved so much and there maybe wasn't a needlepoint store in that town. So when we would come back to visit my grandparents in St. Louis, that was always the first stop was the needlepoint store. So I'd get a kit then and maybe I'd finish it. Maybe I wouldn't. Um, but I really got back into it in high school. Um, I was on the golf team, we made a golf belt, because of course, and then got back into it in college a little bit. And then when I lived in New York. Did well. you make the key fob? Isn't that also like a St. Louis thing that you have to make a needlepoint key fob when you turn 16 or someone makes it for you? Um, 
I did not do that. I don't know if it was a thing then. It is ah. a thing now. Um, sure I do that. now, which could very much be the case too. Um, but yeah, so I did the belts. Um, and then when I moved to New York, I had taken a little bit of a break after college. Um, and then I moved to New York and just needed something to kind of do in the evenings, watching trash TV with my roommate and picked it back up and haven't put it back down since. Um, again, designing started sort of in conjunction with COVID just because I couldn't get my hands on what I wanted. Um, but I'd always kind of done my own little designs, my golf belt, I sort of charted, I've got a signal flag belt that I did. That's my name. Um, I just charted things myself. So that was always kind of, and especially when I was, you know, broke living in New York, it was like, Ooh, I want a new belt. If I chart it myself, then I'm only paying for canvas and threads. Um, so that's really where design took off, but design specifically took off um, around one project that I did that has then led to all of this. So I'm going to guess that's maybe the tobacco leaf purse. Uh, it was tobacco leaf shoes, which will not be in the line at okay. all. Um, that is Thank you. Another. Thank you for that. Because trying to find a good finisher for shoes. Yeah. And there is there, and I have the world's like most normally small feet. I wear a size five, and I'm five six. So I made them again. Core memories. I remember being like three and seeing a pair of needlepoint shoes at needlepoint, etc. I'm thinking, oh my god, you can make your own shoes. So that was a lifetime goal for me. And there is one shop that finishes them with stubs and wooden. I know they will fit me because I have other pairs of stubs. But that's something that's very much theirs, and I never want to infringe on anyone else's thing. So they will not be in the line. That's just there. Are, everything else you could possibly want is going to have tobacco leaf on it, just not those. So you can get a purse, you can get a stocking, anything else but those. So, but that is what kind of started it. Um, my mom showed them off to Megan, and Megan was like, "Oh my gosh, I love that pattern." Um, and that it all went from there. There you go. Well, and the. As for for those that don't know Megan as well as you and I do, um, for ever since I've known her, and she's she's, I always forget how much younger she is than I am, about ten years younger than I am, and she's always said I'm going to have my own wholesale line, and I would say to her, how are you going to do that? Like not because she's very creative, but being creative and being able to have the ability to design aren't necessarily the same thing, and so. She's like, I don't know, but I'm going to do it. And I'm like, okay, girl, you go. So here we are. So yes, here we are. the world brought you two together at the perfect time in the perfect place. And uh, that- yeah, it did. It really did. It was, I, I, in my family, we do a thing called happies, which are like a gift for someone else for no reason whatsoever, other than to just make them happy and put good vibes out there. And I had seen her, um, Talking about tobacco leaf, I knew my mom had shown her the shoes and she just thought they were beautiful. And I had seen her talking about how much she loved it and she wanted to start collecting it. And I was bored, honestly. And I was like, what a great idea to do a tobacco leaf and something, a different thing that I'm not going to stitch and give it to her because I want something to paint. I really enjoyed that. I think she really liked this. She's always been so nice when I come in the shop. Um, She's so, you know, my mom goes in probably once a week. Um, So you know, I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just make this for her. No big deal. So I did. 
and it kind of all aligned. I was looking for something to be more creative and she was looking to start a wholesale line. I had no idea of that at the time. Um, and it, that's what started it all. So that's KW01 is the clutch that I did for Megan. And uh, I think like the first KW11 things are all tobacco leaf things. So. And I've had a lot of them in and now unfortunately out of my shop, but they will be back in again. I personally, I've been talking for, I, I've got to put my money where my mouth is. I've been talking for about two years that I really want to stitch a picture frame. I too have stitched practically since the day I can remember. And I think it's a little inexcusable that I have not stitched myself a picture frame. So your tobacco leaf picture frame is on my must do. It would look so fantastic in my living room because my living room's navy and cranberry and I mean mm. yeah. all all the all the perfect colors. Yes. I, I love hearing that. I love picture frames. That's what I did as my mother and my mother-in-law gift for mm. our wedding. Um, I actually got a, a little crazy and um, I had found a gardenia picture frame that I just fell in love with. And so I, I stitched these things like from day one. I was like, I'll carry gardenias. It'll be magical. Oh, gardenias fall apart. And every florist tried to talk me out of gardenias. And I was like, oh, no, I already stitched the frame. So it's happening. It's happening. So they talked me into like gardenias plus some other things because and they did. They, they fell apart, but they smelled beautiful all day. But I was like, no, I already stitched the frame. I'm well, happy. and then you also probably had like that little um, pathway of petals that like is really dreamy looking built in. <laughs> exactly. And we got married at the Willard in DC, which is a pretty famous hotel here. And there's this long hallway called Peacock Alley. And when we were processing down to where we were having the, um, you know, the, the reception portion, I just remember one guest going, she looks so beautiful and she even smells amazing. And I was like, gardenias were worth it. They were worth it. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. I love so it. Was very, I felt very vindicated in that moment. I was like, this is why I had this vision. Now, anytime I smell gardenias, I'll think of our wedding. And I'm a romantic. So that's very, very sweet. And how long ago did you get married? We got married four years ago, almost four years in September. Yeah. I was just yeah. curious. So cool. uh, well, you'll have, uh, you have to plan ahead for like your 10 year anniversary and what you're stitching in honor of that. And Oh yeah, I, exactly. I mean, um, my husband has very much come around to the stitching and the needlepoint belts. And now it, when he got his first one, I was very paranoid about the needlepoint belt curse. So even after we, I made him wait till we were married. And even then our first Christmas, my mom stitched it. And now I'm, I've loosened up, but I think he's got like six now and he's like putting in orders for the next one. He wants his car mm -hmm. on one. It, it's a whole thing. So I love it. I love it. My husband only has one. Um, and I don't know. I think it's really funny. I stitched it for him, I don't know, 10 years ago. And he doesn't wear it that often. I think for a while it didn't fit, but he's uh, it fits again. And I feel like he has this, um, and I've tried to break him of it, but he has this thought process that like he's going to ruin it. And I'm like, yeah. it's a belt. It's okay. I can make you another one if you wear it on the golf course and it gets sweaty and it'll take 10 years of golf course sweat before it probably falls apart. So don't worry about it. But I guess I should. Yeah, it's, you know. it's Gregory wears his, wears a needlepoint belt all the time. And the more he has, the less he has to worry about running one because it right. spreads the wear across all of them. So you got it. You got it. Yeah. I know. 
So I, I have enough to stitch if my husband doesn't really want them, then, you know, I've got lots of other things I want to do, like stitch myself a picture frame. So <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Uh, well, that's really fun. So you obviously needlepoint. We've covered that topic. Are you crafty in any other ways? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of just creative person and crafty. Um, I intended to be a fashion designer. So I do know how to like completely like sew and pattern make and all those things. Um, that path veered differently, but now I get to be a needlepoint designer. So that's great. Um, you don't, it doesn't hurt as much when you stick yourself with the needle on accident. So that's For nice. Sure. For sure. Um, I have done some drawing. So that kind of leads into that whole thing. Um, some pencil drawings, some charcoal, things like that. Um, yeah, Megan saw one and she's like, uh, I need you to do a charcoal of my kids. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever. So do you have um, professional training in art or is it just natural ability that you've honed over time? Natural ability. No, um, I took some drawing classes in college. And nice. after that, just, I don't know, I guess I just kind of, I don't view it as being artistic per se, as just I do have an ability to replicate something very well. So if I see a picture of, you know, a, a geranium that I really like, I can see how to translate that to canvas very easily. Um, it feels more mathematical to me than just like creative. And I think that's where both being left and right brain kind of comes in. So it, it, I don't view it as just like, oh, I'm just painting to express. I have a methodical plan of this is how I want it to look. Here's the sketch of how I'm gonna get it to get there. Maybe I'll upload it into, you know, a computer program just to kind of play with some colors a little bit. Um, and then I use that and I essentially look at it and translate it to the canvas. If it's something really detailed, I'll sometimes trace it out on there, trace out the outlines. But other than that, I literally tobacco leaf, I will look at a picture of where I want everything placed and I will paint those colors as I see them. So sorry, now I, I've kind of lost the track. <laughs> So you get excited about something and we're going to talk about where you get your inspirations in a minute, but you get excited about something and you draw it first and then you use computer generated software or. I'll use computer generated software if I'm not sure on exactly what colors I want. So the, like the, the poinsettia frame that I did for Christmas, I knew I wanted those poinsettias. I had actually seen something very similar on a China pattern, a vintage China pattern. And I liked that they were turned, they weren't straight on. And I thought it gave it more movement. But it, when I kind of played with that, it was missing something. So I snapped a picture of what I was working with, put it on the computer and started playing with background colors. And that's where the stripes came from because all of a sudden I was like, what if I did stripes? I and that. so that's where that came from. So that's, that's sort of how I do it. It's very methodical and not methodical at all at the same time. <laughs> It <laughs> makes perfect sense for someone who is both right-brained and left-brained. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm legitimately 50-50 on, on all the tests on that. So yeah, it probably totally makes sense for that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, well, I will tell you, you mentioned you were an Anglophile earlier. So I, I don't know if that was the first, I think that was your first canvas that was readily available. Yeah. And I might pat myself on the back. I think my shop might have been your biggest seller. I think you accounted for essentially 50% of all units sold, which is, yes. you know, my day job coming to the forefront and how I wear it a lot, but yeah. <laughs> so um, that was very exciting. 
I will honestly admit, I'm not really an Anglophile, but I understood that um, everyone else was really excited about this. And then I eventually got there. I was a little slow to the party, I guess we'll say. Um, but that canvas was fantastic. And I recognized that yeah. a lot of people were going to really enjoy having that in their stash, in their stitching routine, and hopefully as a finished object, because I know, like I said, we sold well over 60 of them. So um, yeah. Yeah. Mine's finished. It's just not finished, finished. So my mom does a lot of my finishing for me. So oh. it's at her house. And I was like, get to it when we get to it, you know, um, just by Christmas sometime. So yeah. There, there was, we're going to digress for a second because I was fascinated by this. There was a post, I think it was from the Nimble Needle this week with one of their customers who brought in their finished needle point, their, their stash for everyone to look at. And there's literally like a pile like this high, I'm not kidding, of giant canvases, like 10 oh by God. 12s, 14 by 14s, like big, all stitched. None of them finished. Like oh we talk about um, our, our, our customers, sorry, as process or project stitchers. And she's clearly a process stitcher. Like she just loves stitching. And she doesn't ever really care if she finishes it. And I was like, oh my God, this is like living proof of the joy that her needle planet has brought, even though it's never been made into a pillow or framed or, and maybe she has other things that are, but this stack was amazing. Amazing. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. I, I could see becoming that at some point, um, especially with the things for me. I find I have starter, I don't have starter itis. I have finisher itis when it comes to things for myself. But when I'm working on something for someone else, I'm so excited for it for them that I finish it lickety split. And for me, I'm like, I'll get held up on the one thing and I'll put it down for a minute. Yeah, you and can't figure out like, the stitch for that spot or you want to take something out and you don't feel like ripping out right now because mm -hmm. no one likes doing it. And yeah, round and round yeah. we go. Exactly. Exactly. I have a lot of works in process, so I completely appreciate that. Um, I don't think I have, obviously, the... And I will say you have true artistic talent, even though you're not going to say that. I will say that. No, I will, I will never. I will never say that. But I really appreciate hearing that. It makes my day. Um, I have very much kind of imposter syndrome like around that, I guess. But oh, no, no, no. Um, I've seen too much of your, your things that you've already sent out. And more importantly, what's coming up the pike. <laughs> so um, so we, we briefly touched on what where you get your inspiration. Can we dive into that a little bit? Yeah, um, kind of all over the place. A lot of it comes from China patterns, obviously. Um, a lot of it just comes from vintage fabrics. I, I love just kind of looking at a print, but also, you know, what were the colors that were kind of in vogue at that moment? Is that something that I feel like really works? Or is that something that if I just tweaked it this little bit, it would be more modern? Um, I really get a lot of inspiration from the way colors look together um, and just something that how you can look at something and it sort of makes you happy. So I try and do that. Um, and then other than that, I get a lot of inspiration from art. That's where my needle pointrit series comes in. Um, so that's that's fun. I try and also look at what's already out there and make sure that I'm not stepping on anyone's toes and I'm bringing something new and fresh to market. There Which, are always going to be, yeah, please. Yeah, that's gotta be really hard. Like, because 
honestly, is there really any such thing as a brand new idea? Like, I mean, no, there's, I mean, there's not. Um, but I try and look at, is this already out there? Um, first and foremost, there has been like one or two times where basically I came up with something, I had executed it and then it debuted that fall in market maybe. Um, and I would have had no way of knowing that that was out there. I did all the research. It just was kind of having a moment. So multiple people sort of did it. Of I'll either make the decision to remove it from the line or if I feel like it is very much different than what is currently offered, then I'll go ahead and, and move forward with it. But I, I always try and do that. I also, there have been a couple of times where maybe another designer, the coronation round was one where another designer had seen like, oh, I want to do this. And I was already actually in production. Like the day that thing <laughs> was debuted, I was like, and go. Okay. I want this to be part of my line. Um, and so I just kind of reached out to her and asked her and basically said, I'm so sorry. I know there's a ton of work that goes into canvases. I've already got this in my line. I try and reach out that way first if there's any instance like that, just because that's how I'd want someone to approach it with me. Because if someone came to me, I'd be like, I am so sorry. Absolutely. I had no idea you were going to market with it. How would I have known? Um, you know, great. Good luck. Good luck with your version of it. And I'll move on to something else. There's always new ideas. Um, so I'm happy to just kind of, and I, I tell like Lauren that I tell who's beautiful, by the way, she told me to say that. Um, I tell Lauren that I tell Megan that I'm like, if you ever think an idea of mine just is not there, I'm happy to move on from it. Or let's talk about how to make it better. Or if I think maybe you're not seeing the vision, there was one thing where they didn't, they were like, okay. And then I like walked them through it and they're like, okay, now I get it. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely, I don't have so much of an ego that I'm like, well, I'm, I'm amazing and it's perfect the way it is. And, you know, I, I like the feedback. It actually helps spark the creative process a little bit more. So I'll call my mom. I'll send inspiration pictures to Megan and Lauren and be like, what do you think? And they're like, yes. Or that's cute is always no. <laughs> <laughs> Kiss of death. Noted. <laughs> okay. How could I make it better? Like, it, I just, I have no sort of ego around that, which I think allows me to be more creative. Um, than just getting stuck on one thing. So that's just how I approach it. Good. I love it. Um, so we've also kind of alluded to this along the way. Um, so I think if people look like on your Instagram page right now or at the Gingham Stitchery, it looks like you have like six designs. And you have like when you told me you have over 60 pieces, either uh -huh. either at the painters in production or about to be replicated I was like wow because you've not been doing this that long 60 is what will be going to market it's amazing so there are more and plans for more than that um but there are 60 that will be debuting at market I love doing things as collections um that's why there's tobacco leaf on anything and everything partly because a couple reasons if you're going to take the time to do a tobacco leaf frame you've already got the threads maybe you just want to throw in the, the round too. You've got the threads. It's an easy add on. Um, but also maybe I've seen a pattern that I love before, but it's not a project that I want to do. And that's, it's kind of like, Oh man, I, I love that pattern, but I'm not really in, in the market for a passport cover. I've already got one. 
So I try and put it on, put different things on multiple items. So you can always find something you're looking for. Um, or you can always find something in your price point. A lot of mine get very detailed, which does raise the price. So I try and make an ornament version available of everything. You know, there was definitely a time in my life where I was like eating ramen noodles to be able to afford my stitching habit. So I want to be cognizant of that without, you know, not being true to my own style. So I try and. And I think that's what some newer stitchers. Um, newer stitchers don't totally understand this, and I don't think I did till I was knee deep in the business. That the designer creates a master, and then that is then there's some more intricacies, but basically that's sent to the painting service, and people are literally hand painting those items. And so the more colors, the the larger breadth of colors you have, and the more detail you have makes for more difficult work and therefore the price goes up. So if you were to create something that had two colors and very little detail, it would be a lot less expensive. And then of course the size makes a difference too. So there's a lot of variables that go into how expensive a canvas can become. Exactly. And you know, it, it, it can add up quickly. Um, I try and also, I know the amount of work that goes into it. I stitch paint all of my my samples too. So I'm not just giving them like, this is generally what I want. It is 100% stitch painted. Um, I actually had done several tobacco leaf frames for Amy Carey. Oh, I know Amy. I love that. She was really my first, first customer. Um, but I painted several of those and I sat with one and it was like an assembly line. Okay, we're doing the dark pink today. And I would count out all the dark pink on three canvases, move them over next, you know, next color, that type of thing. Um, and that's just how I work. I hope it makes it easier for the painting service. Maybe that translates to some sort of help on the cost side, but I just, I try and make it so, um, you know, when you're seeing my sample when I'm taking a picture of it also, that's what you're going to get when you purchase something because I'm taking pictures of the master and I don't want you to then see it and go, wow, this looks nothing like what you showed. Um, so I try and make it stitch painted. I, my experience as a shop owner is most of the canvases come in the same from time to time. What what tends to sometimes change and for the most part it's irrelevant um, is sometimes the not the color itself changes, but the tone of the color will change. And for the most part, it doesn't really matter um, mm-hmm. because most stitchers are still covering up the majority of the paint. And um, if it is something that is uh, has some tonalness to the overall piece and an, it calls for an open stitch, then it's a little bit more important. But I think the painting services in general do a really, really good job of replicating that master. It's mind blowing to me. It really is. I mean, there there are several where when I sent them off, I was like, there's no way they're going to get this. And they got it. It was, I was, I was blown away by the art, artistry on the other side of being able to just kind of replicate that because I, I knew what it was trying to be, what color was supposed to go there. And for someone to be able to kind of then replicate it to that level, I was very impressed. Yeah. And, and replicate it to that level for the most part, halfway around the world. Mm-hmm. Even yep. more like kind of mind blowing where our needlepoint starts and goes and comes back and, just kind of a cool concept when you think about the whole big picture. I don't know. I love it. Um, so tell us some of the challenges of being a new designer. 
maybe most importantly, how you, fit, how you juggle it in with your day job. Yeah. Um, that works out okay. So we don't have kids. Um, my husband does kind of go back and forth from DC a lot. Um, so I will do my day job. And then if he's in DC uh, at the apartment for three days, he kind of stacks his meetings that way. Um, in the evenings, I'm like, great. Okay. So, you know, sorry, honey, I take over the kitchen. You didn't know that, but the kitchen becomes the workspace and it is a mess. And I've got him to where he will text me and let me know he's on his way home and the paints go back in the bin. They go back upstairs, clean it up real quick. Hi. (laughs) Um, and then during the week when he's home is when I do my stitching. So that way, you know, he can watch Jay Leno's garage or whatever, and I can be stitching along and we both are doing our own hobbies and that, that works great. Cohabitating so very happily together. <laughs> yes, exactly. So that's when I usually do the painting. Um, it, it just works really well for me. I can, I'm, I'm kind of a back half of the day is when I'm most productive anyway. Um, nice. That is how it is at my job too. So when five o'clock comes around, I'm like, wow, I'm re- like, I'm really productive now. And I've just shut my computer for the day. So I can kind of um, work on work on canvases then. Nice, nice. So do you work at home for your day job? Yeah, I do. So I'm fully remote, um, which is great. I used to have to commute from from DC. My commute was over an hour um, mm-hmm. every day. And so I was spending three hours a day in the car. So I was extremely well read at that point because of Audible. But um, now I get to listen to that type of stuff and paint or stitch or all those things. So I get Very a lot more time back in my day other than just sitting and staring at traffic. Yes. I was just talking about that recently. Now, not the travel part. I used to do that too many moons ago. Um, but that uh, in my quest to stitch every day, I have um, been actively using uh, audiobooks so that I can get both my fixes in at the same time. And it's a beautiful thing. It is. It is. And you're twice as productive then. So, you know, you've got that going for you too. So I usually ask people what their bestseller is. And I'm going to say in this maybe brief moment in time, it might've been the coronation round, but I think that's going to be left in the dust very, very soon. It's it's 100% the coronation round. Um, after that, it is the poinsettia frame. Uh, which we've sold a number of times and I think is just arrived, just arrived on our doorstep at the shop today as well. Yeah. It just came back in stocks. That's great. Um, We ordered a lot for market and I have a sneaking suspicion that it will basically be sold out by market. So get it now. Um, I just think I ordered four or five of them. So yeah, I was stocking up. That's a, that's a Um, favorite too. I, I, I love that one. Um, I have a hard time choosing a favorite because my grandmother says this about all her grandchildren. She's like, well, my favorite is the one I'm with at that time. And I feel that way, very much that way about most of my canvases. It's like, well, it's my favorite because I'm right now. And then I'll look over at another one. Well, now you're my favorite. So I try and only do things that I really love and I would really want to stitch. Um, that's just, if it's not making me happy, if I wouldn't want to buy it, why would anyone else? Um, the next bestseller is kind of half-stitched here. Is George. Oh, George, our good friend, George. George is quite the hot little number. He, uh, he's doing, doing some business for sure. So that, that that one's a lot of fun. Um, I will tell you something funny about the poinsettia frame because I, as I said, I think we've sold three or four of them. And then when they came back in stock, I ordered a number more. 
Um, I love that frame. And I hate poinsettias. Like, <laughs> it's kind of like I love to stitch Halloween. I'm not really a big Halloween person. But growing up, my mom, I think she told me far too soon that in many countries, poinsettias are weeds. So yes. I learned that early on and I knew I hated weeding. So why would I like a poinsettia? But it's beautiful. Like the the softness of the colors and like you said, the angle of the flower itself and it's just absolutely lovely and I'm I keep saying why don't I like that I don't like poinsettias I should like that but I do <laughs> well uh, that's that's the best compliment is you know you, you take something that someone normally wouldn't be drawn to and now they're drawn to it um, my mom stitched the sample for that and she did it in the flowers themselves in velvet so they had that same sort of velvety texture that a poinsettia does and it turned out beautiful um so that's nice so it's it's the sample. It's the sample. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. And what else? So what's, what is, well, we, sorry, I have two things that I think we haven't talked about. I'm just double checking my list. Um, oh, you know what else I saw on your Instagram page that I hadn't seen before? It's that Staffordshire dog belt. How did I miss that? It is so cute. So, and Thank I also you. have to ask, is that my favorite pink in the background? Is that Parfait from Pepper It's Pie? Parfait. It is very nice Parfait, which is also my suggested pink for the background if you wanted to do a pink background on tobacco leaf. It huh. looks beautiful. Um, yes. So, this is the Staffordshire Dog Belt. Love it. There will also be a key fob. And there will also be a Rachel Berry insert a la oh. this but on 14 counts. So it's going to be bigger. Love it. So you can put great little like chinoiserie inspired, you know, monogram right in the center or whatever you want. Um, so those three are currently in production. They should be arriving soon this month, maybe, right. maybe this month. Um, but they will be at market for sure. Um, I love that one. All of a sudden it just kind of hit me one day of like, there's no Staffordshire dog belts. And then I like checked everywhere and I messaged every stitcher I knew. And I was like, please tell me there's no Staffordshire dog belts. And they're like, no, there's no Staffordshire dog belts. And I was like, there is now. So Especially with a parfait pink background. Like, uh huh. And I knew I wanted that specific thread as the background color. Yeah. Um, so it is a painted background. Um, it's a painted background in that color because it also if you just left a white background you couldn't really see the where the outline of the dogs was correctly um it did raise the price a little bit but i also think it helps it be more saleable so we'll find out if not i can always take it the other way no i you know i i don't know how i got to be known for parfait pink but apparently people will call the shop and say and i want that pink that's melissa's favorite color and the whole shop all knows oh we're out we're out of parfait again. Colleen, you need to order way more parfait. <laughs> I um I think I went to one of the Meet Me at the Rainbow Wall retreat. And I think um I am single-handedly responsible for them selling out of Limoges oh. for that same reason. That <laughs> it's just it's a great color that you don't think about. It looks I had it, I have it as the background on my tobacco leaf belt. Okay. Um it's just kind of unexpected. Um I also love the color Misty, which is Vineyard, which is very similar, but it's less bright. So it's a little more dulled down um, than, but it's almost the same color. It's Limoges. a very, very light green. Limoges and Misty. 
And Limoges is vineyard silk, right? Limoges is actually pepper pot. Pepper pot. Okay. Cause I think, I think vineyard has a Limoges color too. I could I be wrong on that. I'm pretty sure they do, but it's like a completely different color. I want to say it's like a blue and this is a mint green. Okay. Well, I know so, people want to check it out. So I just wanted to clarify that. That parfait pepper pot Limoges that you're discussing is pepper pot. And the third color yes. Misty is also pepper pot. Misty is um, vineyard silk. Okay, good. I just know people are like, oh, now I got to go check out that color. So yeah. I'd like to get my details straight. So, and I'm even going to make notes because we're going to get a call about this at some point. So, then I'll... <laughs> um, okay. So you, you alluded to earlier, like some, um, now that you have more designs, you kind of have categories. I don't know if categories is the right word, but tell us how your line will be organized. Yeah, I, I like collections. Again, um, I work in corporate retail. Everything's a collection. So um, maybe that's where that comes from. I'm sure. uh, so, I, so I try and do a collection, but then I also try and keep things that sort of speak to each other. So the poinsettia picture frame, um, that is its own collection, the poinsettia collection, falling under striped florals. So that's where we have geraniums. Um, there will be hydrangeas. They have, they will probably not come out till spring. Um, and then I'm searching for a few more other things that I want to throw in there. I've got a bunch of ideas and it's just sitting down and getting the spacing right and everything. Um, so those are going to be all part of the collection and those are all going to be part of the striped florals. So part of my idea for it is if you did a striped points out a picture frame, well, that's going to live during Christmas and you need something for spring you need something for summer and maybe it lives in that same spot in your house and it kind of changes with the seasons, but it's always that kind of striped floral frame. Um, so that's sort of my vision. That's how I would style it in my own home. If I had time to stitch all of these, um, that's what I would love to do. So um, hopefully someone else would want to do that too. Yes. I love it. And then you have like, I don't know what you would call your other section, but you have a lot of artist, like true artistic works, like the girl with the pearl earring, those kind of things. Yeah. And I think you used a word so for I, I call those needle pointrets. There we go. <laughs> um, that started because I was very much enjoying watching a show on Amazon called um, Portrait Artist of the Year, which is British, and you are legitimately watching paint dry. They, it's a competition where basically they take portrait artists, they sit down a British celebrity, and they all paint that person, and then they get judged. Um, and that kind of got my brain of like, oh, I, that would be, what if, you know, ha ha ha, I guess I'm like that, but I'm doing it with needlepoint, and then it all just, all the dots connected, and I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so I started doing needle pointrets. Um, one of those is Queen Elizabeth. Yes. Who, and I did that when she passed the black and white portrait, which I thought was interesting because you don't really see just black and white as often in needlepoint. It turns out gorgeous stitched. Um, there's girl with a pearl earring, which I don't have with me. There will be Mona Lisa. Ooh, that's exciting. There will be a couple more in spring. Um, I just haven't done them yet. So I don't want to tease them. And then if it doesn't work for some reason. Right, right. Um, and then he, this guy is current, my current stitch. He falls into this, even though he's not really a portrait, is King Tut. Oh, yes. Fabulous. So this, the canvas is big enough if you wanted it to be like an eyeglass case, 
I'm doing it as a double-sided ornament. Love it. And he fulfills the stitch and mainly metallics. Yes, he does. That's going to be my hardest one on the podcast challenge for me, for sure. So yeah, this was designed specifically because I did not know what I was going to do for that. And I just oh my had God, this idea. I love it. <laughs> Maybe metallics, duh. Um, I'm a little stuck on his front. I need to call Lauren and have her walk me through doing memory, memory wire for his little crook. And then I've got beads to actually make his little tassel actually like dangle. Um, but so, yeah, so he'll be a double-sided ornament. I am not the world's most well-traveled person, but I've had the good fortune to go to a few places, including Cairo. Have you by chance been there? I haven't, but my, my grandparents went um, when I was when I was really young. I was probably about five, and they actually brought me back a little sarcophagus that I was scared to death of at the time, and now it's one of my favorite things. I think it's so neat. So that probably also inspired him. He's basically the same size. Right. Um, but yeah. So that kind of inspired that whole thing. So I was at the museum where King Tut's sarcophagus is. Um, and I want to say it was like 20 years ago. And I will never forget like how horrified I was because you and I go to museums and we, we I don't even think about it, but of course everything is temperature controlled and light controlled and all the mm -hmm. things, the windows are open the birds are flying around. It was crazy. It was crazy. Oh, I, my God. I, I remember, this is terrible. I shouldn't even admit this out loud. I remember uh, my family and I was like, they need to give this back. Because apparently the British had it at one point. Mm -hmm. And then they returned it to the rightful place. I think I'm saying all this right again, 20 years ago. So if I'm misquoting anything, call me an idiot and forgive me. Um, but we were all like, I need to return it to Britain at least until they get air conditioning here. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it was fascinating. I, I, I was horrified too. I would have been like, oh my gosh, he's not meant for that. But, uh. I think he, I think he himself was covered in, uh, and like this literally just is coming back into brain into a uh, uh, glass, like okay. over piece, but the whole museum itself, literally like birds flying everywhere, windows open. It was crazy. So. Yeah, fascinating experience, but crazy. But I love him. So I'm glad you designed something just for the podcast challenge. That's amazing. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, I get a little bit of inspiration there. I, you know, oh, what would I want to stitch for that one? Um, I'm really far along on this year's. So hopefully I can finish everything. Um, but yeah, I, so that was 100% inspired by that. Um, and he's just, he's just fun and he didn't exist and nothing like it existed. So I kind of went, that's pretty cool. Let's, let's see if it works. And it did. And he just, he cracks me up. So. Fantastic. Well, and you sent me a couple other sneak peeks. Um, one, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but I'm just going to glaze over it. Uh, there's not a lot of really good Thanksgiving things in needlepoint. There are some really good ones, but it's not like Christmas where it's been done to death. Um, although I love Christmas stitching, so I don't know why I said that. It's not done to death. Give me more Christmas. Uh, but your future Thanksgiving-ish release is fantastic. So I Thank will choose that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I can't take complete credit for that idea. That was 100% a Megan Holmes idea. It sort of spawned off of, I think she wants an excuse to get the plates, the Spode Thanksgiving plates. So she wanted um, napkin rings in that pattern. 
So that started that. So that there's in that picture I sent you, there's like a rectangle. That is the spode edge as a needlepoint napkin ring. Um, there will also be a blue version of that. So if you have the blue dishes, you can get the blue napkin rings. Um, but then that spawned its own thing. So then it became, oh, well, I could do the turkey plate as a four-inch round. So I kind of made the turkey bigger and made the outline a little less prominent. So it didn't look exactly like a plate. It just looks, it's clearly that pattern without looking like it's a needlepoint plate, hopefully. Um, it did not. It looks like a turkey on a round with an interesting border. I hadn't even connected that it was the spode turkey. But as now, as you're saying that, I'm like, duh. I just thought it was fantastic. So. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really happy with how he turned out. He's just like a fun little happy guy. And um, but yeah, so it's meant to be kind of spode inspired. Um, we'll have to come up with a name for it. So I don't call it spode because, you know, trademark. Um, but he's the spode inspired turkey um, with a brown border. And I'm really happy with him. I think he's unconventional colors, too, which also interests me. Um, so that that's kind of fun. Sometimes even after I love tobacco leaf and it's got so many great colors, but after I've done a couple things in it, I'm like, I'm ready for some new colors. Maybe I want something a little darker and moodier this time. So. Well, everything that I have seen from you has been fantastic, Kate. And it's so exciting always yep. to have a new artistic brain in this needlepoint world of ours. Um, and especially the fact that you have stitched so long, I think brings a lot to the table. So um, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, I have the pleasure of seeing you again at market. You will. I will be there um, in my requisite gingham. I've bought a lot of gingham lately. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yes, I will be there. I'm very excited to go. I'm very excited to get feedback in person. Um, you know, it's it's bringing me a lot of joy and it's very humbling uh, that other people are getting joy from my items too. So very well, very excited. This has just been so much fun. As I said, you and I had the opportunity to meet for about five seconds. And I think I was busy making lists and using all my type A side when I met you. And I'm not even sure I was all that polite, to be honest. I was so focused <laughs> oh. on what I was doing. Um, so I'm well, just- Market's a whirlwind. So yeah, always is no matter the industry. And it's just, you're there to do a job. So. Got to make every minute count. And uh, yes, yeah, so I am so glad to have had a chance to spend this time with you and get to know you better. So this has been so yeah. much fun. And I can't wait to see all of your things in one spot. And uh, <laughs> yes, you. I'm really I excited. One, I will be one of the first orderers for sure, because I know my customers will love almost everything, if not absolutely everything you do. So thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I try and put everything out there that I would want to stitch. So if there's a couple people that have something in common with me. But there you go. The way to look at it, I guess. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for spending time with us. If anyone watching is joining us for the first time, if you hit that subscribe button, that helps other stitchers find us. Um, and we are all about the more the merrier. So um, keep on stitching. I'm still stitching every day. So um, we'll see how long I make it. I think I'm on day 42 now, something like that. So um, I mean, I've been stitching. I didn't, I should have alluded to this earlier. I'm, I'm wrapping up and now I'm going back. Um, 
I think stitching ebbs and flows for most people. When you said you, you know, you haven't always stitched, I think that is a very common story. Um, and for whatever reason, um, I shouldn't say for whatever reason, because of the podcast challenge, I started on the stitching every day. Um, and sometimes when you're knee deep in this business, you forget the joy of stitching and that that's why I got involved in this business. So um, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. So if uh, those of you watching have never tried stitching every day for a month, I, I highly recommend it. So anyway, uh, thank you again for spending time with me, Kate, and I will look forward to seeing you in October. Yeah. Thank you, Melissa. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Putting It Out podcast is a part of the Acast Creator Network. For more information, please visit us on Instagram at Pointing It Out Podcast or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Pointing It Out Podcast. Shop online at Needlepoint Clubhouse by visiting stlneedlepoint.com and follow us on Instagram at stlneedlepoint. And visit the Wool and the Floss online shop at woolfloss.com and follow at Wool and the Floss on Instagram as well.